Kyle, I'm going to level with you. The reason why I'm late to this recording is because I was prepping some cookies to go in the oven. I'm going to have to get up twice during this podcast, once to put the cookies up in the oven, and then once to take the cookies out of the oven. Okay. Um, I just want to it's, re- it's reasonable. It's reasonable. I think so. Wait, do I have 20 messages from you right now? You shouldn't. Oh, did your Slack act up? Because mine did too. I have I have twenty Slack messages from you right yeah. now. Yeah, when you open it up, it's just one. Oh. But on your lock screen, it's twenty. Jesus Christ! Said, I thought you were really that mad at me for being late. No, when uh, when you texted me saying setting up now, I got my whole lock screen was filled with setting up now. I just thought it was my phone, but I'm glad that it wasn't. No, it was all me. Um, did you read this uh this Mark Alfalt article? I retweeted it and favorited it so that I can come back to it and then I never had time today. I was, but I, was I, I read about through, a third of it. Yeah, I, I read probably like half of it and then uh, skimmed through the rest. Interesting stuff. A lot of different storylines going on here. I mean, to me, to me, the important takeaway from it was I kind of just guessed that he needed to sit out the rest of the year. I mean, we kept watching these videos of him at pre-games or shoot-arounds or uh, private workouts that somehow weren't that private. I mean, clearly he's not doing well, and then we keep seeing footage of him doing not well. And it just seemed weird that we, I don't know, it feels like they were, like, pushing it out on us. And I don't understand how you make a trade for the first-round pick so you can get this guy. You think, and, I mean, by all opinions, it kind of seemed like he'd be the missing piece to the puzzle, whether he was a star or not, or just an impact starter or a role player, having a point guard who can shoot well and not really demand the ball so that Simmons can kind of run the show, space out the floor with Simmons and Embiid, you, you would think that um, you'd want to take care of him. And then from the very beginning of the season, we were hearing conflicting reports about you know, where he stood with his shoulder. And ever since then, it's just been a shit show. And I just don't get why you wouldn't. I mean, at least if you're not going to be secretive, at least keep giving us the same story. It just seems very odd that. Yeah, no, it, it seems like it seems like everyone's consistent in their stories. It's just coming from a bunch of different, uh, you know, bunch of different sources. You well, guys, I guess they're saying his I, trainer on one hand is saying one story. You get the Sixers on one hand saying another. And kind of the whole article is framed like Markel Fultz is now, uh, you know, he's just practicing in the gym. He's all by himself. There was a practice session that apparently the media knew about before the Sixers did. Uh, but the Sixers seem to be cool with it, according to the piece. They're saying that, you know, what at this point, they're just like, whatever helps, helps. So I don't know if that speaks to any kind of like, falsity that they're finding in their plan maybe that their things are are kind of falling through a little bit but um yeah i don't know i guess they're not entirely confident is is the the point here and they're looking for answers anywhere they can get it on the other side of things you might just consider that being smart and saying that like all right this guy's still working at least he's gonna get there eventually we just gotta let him do his thing for now i don't know here's my thing right like they they're a playoff team without him right they're more than likely going to finish with a playoff spot, whether it's six or seven or eight, they're going to have a playoff spot. That being said, that's a fine first year for a healthy Ben Simmons for a healthy Joel Embiid. I just don't really understand why like this charade needs to go on. I mean, he's a kid. He's uh, 19 or 20. I mean, he's, he's young. And why are we doing this charade where, I mean, if he's not healthy, and everyone's basically giving you varying degrees of he's not healthy, whether it's physically or mentally, it's all in his head. Just shut him down for the year. I don't understand what's so hard about having a private conversation and saying, look, whatever it is that's not right with you, if it's mentally, if it's physically, we're just going to shut it down for the, I mean, this team's okay without you right now. These guys can carry the load. You know, I I don't know why you'd want to bring back a, a guy to play big minutes for, 20 or so games to close out the year anyway, just let the season ride out. You wasted a first round pick on him, not just the first round pick, the top overall pick you traded for that to get this talent, this kid. I don't understand how you go from doing that to sort of playing these 
media games so quickly. And it's not just on the Sixers, but a lot of what they say is damning. You know, why you're an organization, an NBA franchise. Why put the spotlight on the kid and say, oh, well, it's all in his head. His range is currently um, his range is currently just in the paint. He's restricted just in the paint. When he yeah, was that's, touted as that's being kinda... a, a jump shooter. You know, if it, if it really is that bad, you should be able to privately see that and go, hey, you you can't shoot outside of the paint. It's middle of February. We're going to shut this down. Yeah, I mean, we're I not, think, not going to rush that's you back. kind of where they're at right now. My, my whole thing is, like, it's supposed to be an imbalance. So it just seems like he kind of, like, knows, like, how to shoot. Like, I guess he's, like, you know, sending the signals, whatever. Um, but it's just his body's just like not reacting to it. His muscles are just imbalanced. It's just like one shot goes, one shot doesn't. Um, and that's kind of a, I don't know how you work back from that, but that's, that's a scary thing to go through. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of it just rubs me the wrong way. It really does. I just wish, I don't know. I just feel like we know so much about, you know, sports medicine and even, more than that, just how to get guys mentally prepped. I read an article the other day on how Trey Lyles, um, just from changing his sleeping habits, and I know sleep, the sleep habits have been a big thing in the NBA the last like ten years or so. Um, a lot of sleep doctors and a lot of a lot of uh, therapies and things invested into that to get guys on the right track. But I think he went from just uh, sleeping. He used to go to bed at like three or four p uh, a.m. Like after games, he just couldn't shut his mind off. He'd sleep in. He'd still make practice and everything, but he would just, you know, yeah. stay up really late. And then now he starts going to bed at, I think it was like a midnight or 1 a.m. the latest. And that's what he attributes his strong season in Denver as opposed to his disappointments yeah, in he's been Utah. Great. Yeah. So, but that's just one part of it. But it's like we know so much now about the mental aspect, different components that get guys mentally right. And every case is different, but. It just seems strange that a guy who's maybe having mental and physical issues that they would put him under this big a spotlight. It just rubs me the wrong way because he's a kid. You know, it's not like we're talking about a 28-year-old yeah. veteran. It's not like when, um, remember the old second baseman for the Yankees, Chuck Knobloch, just suddenly forgot how to throw the ball from second base to first base. You know, that's different when you're a veteran and you've been doing this your whole career and then you just forget on the world's biggest stage. Like, he's a kid. I don't think... right putting him into the spotlights. It, and that's know, what's been weird play. about like the couple of times that they did like put him on display and then like kind of very swiftly pulled him off. He's just kind of been like, they're like, okay, look at what he's doing now. And like, look at how much he's progressed and look, he can do this and he can do that. And he can shoot with his other hand and, you know, shoot free throws underhand and he can't shoot a three, but he can make a mid ranger. Sometimes it's just like the whole spectacle just seemed like, I don't know, some like voyage for hope that they were on trying to try to get this guy into shape. And this is just it's not happening. Shut him down well, for the season. There's no need to worry about it. Let him practice on his own. Let him do his thing. Uh, but he doesn't need to be so public about it. Right. And well, speaking of voyages of hope, do we want to hop into the other point guards that we need to be talking about today? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. I got to go put my cookies in the oven. That's a good place to stop. Welcome, everyone, to the TKW Podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. He's Kyle Maggio. And we're ready to talk about the exciting tandem of Frank Nielakina and Emmanuel Moutier. Kyle, how are you doing today? Not too bad. That's good. What about you? Uh, no, that's good. That's about as good as I am. My, uh, In stark contrast to last week's episode, my commute's starting to get nicer. It's uh, it's sunnier out for longer periods of time. Um, we're about a month away from daylight savings. Everything's going well, um, except for the fact that Chris Sops Porzingis still has a torn ACL, and we put our faith as a franchise in the hands of Emmanuel Moutier. It's a cruel twist of fate. 
Kyle, how are you handling it? I don't know. I mean, after I still think he stinks. I don't think that's changed since the last podcast, but I I talked myself into at least this angle. So the angle is I just feel like that's the move that a smart front office makes is taking a no risk, you know, potentially high reward um, kind of a trade. I just felt like that's sort of what a smart front office would do. I mean, we're in a, a no win position for the rest of this year, definitely next year. And it's like, you know, you can never really have enough young talent and whatever you think of Boudier, like I think he stinks. Um, other people may feel different. You can't have enough young guys who were highly touted, you know, and if you can give as many of those guys opportunities as you can, I think that's a good thing, whether or not they take that step, you know, that's something, you know, we discussed a little bit last week, but I just think whether or not this move works out, that's the kind of a move that a smart front office would be making. It's, Hey, we have this older guy, McDermott, who we're not going to resign anyway. We're going to, you know, trade him for nothing because we're not resigning him. And then we're getting Moutier back and Moutier has got a couple years left on his deal and he's 21 years old. And, you know, there was a lot of upsides of him at the draft and he hasn't translated well um, to this point. And something I brought up in our group chat today was that I want to ask you if you think is accurate or not, but a lot of his struggles in Denver, I, I want to say that, but were some of his struggles in Denver maybe attributed to him not playing on the ball as much to initiate the offense in Denver? That offense is predicated off, you know, Nikola Jokic running the show. They run the offense through him. He's a good passing big man, much to my dismay of giving him compliments right now, but that's just what they do there. And Moutier didn't really fit in with any of the things that he does well. So, All right, so let's, let's talk about what, what do you think before we really totally walk down that role. So we kind of uh, have established that Denver is running. It's, it's a lot of its offense out of the post. And there was less of a chance for Moody to kind of su succeed like that, especially after struggling in his first couple of years. And then with the emergence of Jamal Murray and their backcourt, you know, it wasn't really, it wasn't in the cards for him. His opportunity shrunk. So what are his strengths? Uh, since you dislike Moutier, and I think I feel a little differently, I want to know what you think his strengths are. I mean, from the stuff that he was, so, and by strengths, I mean stuff that he was supposed to be good at despite the last couple of years being, you know, showing right, otherwise. So For example, even if he can't execute them, where does his raw basketball talent he, he was supposed He was supposed to be a good enough athlete to be able to get to the rim finish at the rim. He, I don't think was touted for his jump shooting, but he was supposed to be a capable jump shooter, which he was underwhelming the first couple of years, but mostly he was supposed to be able to facilitate well and get to the rim. He hasn't done that in the NBA so far. He finishes less than 50% at the rim, but, and there's no one on Denver's roster right now. Who's, who's filling that same kind of mold that he was supposed to be. Well, the two guys that they have, you know, uh, in the backcourt now, it's Jamal Murray and it's Gary Harris. And mm -hmm. those guys are very, I mean, Jamal Murray can and does play on ball a lot, but he's not like, I guess he's not a, a ball demanding guy either. Like he can do things off the ball. He cuts a lot. Moutier doesn't strike me as that kind of a guy. He strikes me as more of like, he needs to be the initiator. Now, whether or not he's going to take strides and truly excel at that level, you know, I, I don't know. But that's what I think he's supposed to be doing. Like you're more like a more of a traditional point guard so in a sense. Is he? But he's a traditional scoring guard, or is he a tr traditional, uh, more of a passing guard? Like is is Emmanuel Mudiay essentially Derrick Rose all over again? No, no, no. It's not that. Okay. He's de he's definitely a much more capable and much more willing passer. I mean, he he looks to pass. He looks to assist. He also knows when to pick his spots to score. I guess that's what I mean in, in the traditional okay. sense. Like, like so, a, those, so those could maybe, be maybe maybe like a Drew Holiday, and okay. this isn't meant to be like an exact comparison, but a guy who he can score, he can dish, 
You can do both. That's more or less what I mean. You know, not so as that comparison. I mean, I then saying with all that being established, then even if he's not any good and he can't do those things, like the Knicks didn't give up hardly anything to get this guy. You know, McDermott wasn't really probably wasn't coming back. We're not going to know, but it's not like we've seen enough really from Doug McDermott all season to you know justify keeping him. It's like kind of take a swing on something. The Knicks have plenty of opportunities to just take a swing and see what happens over the next year. And I hope they like thoroughly go about using as many of those as they can. It's a good sign when you see Cornet and uh, who's the other guy? The other two-way player for the Knicks? Um, oh, God. Well, it's, it's good. I haven't seen too much of him in action, but it's good seeing him on the bench. You know, just like it's, it's taking swings on guys who are unknown guys that we don't even know clearly. No, hold on. Sorry. I forgot his name. Uh, Hicks, Isaiah. Hicks. Isaiah. I, knew it was, I knew it was Isaiah, right, but I didn't right, want right. to say his first name and then stutter for the last name. It's Isaiah. No, I got you. Okay. So guys that we're clearly in my case, at least unfamiliar with, um, and like even guys that we are familiar with, but haven't worked so far, you know, there are players who, who develop later in their career. There are f- players who kind of pull it together. I'm not saying that Moody has really shown too much to justify doing that, but maybe there's something there. And the Knicks just have enough time at this point to take as many swings as they want. The fact of the matter is they're acting quickly after Chris Stops went down, trying to make some kind of a move, some kind of a shot in the dark. And fuck it, man. If that's all we got, that's all we got. Well, I mean, that's that's what I kind of meant. And I'm glad we agree there is that that's what I felt like a front, a smart front office would do is you sort of have an ample time to try out guys. Like you have an excuse almost to try out guys, to gamble on guys. So if you're going to go out and get some young talent, again, whether or not it pans out, I don't particularly care. Like it'd be nice, but we didn't give anything up for me to really care if this fails. So that's why I feel like that's what a smart front office would do is look, a young guy's available. We'll take a shot. Clearly, you know, whether or not they really loved Alfred Payton, you know, whether or not they truly believe or don't believe in Frank, you know, it is a, a guards league still. And in getting a guy like Moutier to kind of pair with Frank, you can kind of play around with Frank running the show or Moutier running the show, playing each of them off ball. You know, you're, you're almost trying to make point guard your strength with your depth there going forward while Chris Depps is out. I mean, now you have, just for guards, you have, you know, Timmy, you have Moutier, you have uh, Burke, you have Frank. So now you have a bunch of young or youngish guys there that you can just sort of mix and match with and just, I don't know, experiment. I mean, that's what I would try to do. You got a bunch of young guys in the stable now, and just that's kind of what they did yeah. last night. And now we could talk about that was, you know, all of Moutier's minutes. And this is exactly what we talked about. So I'm glad like one time something that we clamored for happened like immediately was I said, I wouldn't feel, or I'd feel better about the trade if it meant Jared Jack wasn't going to play anymore because then it shows that they're really devoted to just trying out the guards and figuring out a way to make that work. And all, I think, 29 of his minutes came with Frank. Yep. No, they look good out there. You know what? I, n- neither of them, this is kind of what we've talked about with both of them all season, neither of them are really good enough to have the ball in their hands for an entire game or an entire you know 30 minutes that they're out for, there for or whatever that you'd ideally like to see them out there for. So it makes sense that, you know, they can kind of play off each other. And, you know, one guy takes the lead one time, one guy takes the lead the other. It doesn't have to look perfect, and it's probably going to look really bad in stretches. But, you know, you try it out. Trey Burke got minutes off the bench, too. Like, you know, it was it was a weird game. You know, it all fell apart in the end. But it's kind of like as good of a game as you can get at this time. Like they had stretches where they looked good. The team experimented with a bunch of different things, and we ended up losing, which we need to do as much losing as possible right now. So I think Sunday against the Pacers was a pretty enjoyable game. Yeah, and one thing that I did want to talk about, too, on that note of it being enjoyable, was one thing that I've tweeted like every day since the Moody A trade is I just want to see him push it with him and Timmy and Frank and just push it until their legs fall off, basically. And one thing that was encouraging and... I'm currently actually watching the Knicks film school video of Moutier's debut. Um, You know, after I watched some of the film last night, one thing that he did well 
was exactly that. He pushed it in transition. And the guy that we depend on most in transition this season so far was Tim Hardaway Jr. And wouldn't you know that those three or four assists that he had in transition went to who else but Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to see. It's, you know, are you going to let him run the show? Are you going to let him initiate the offense? And if so, can he get it up the floor? Can he basically work with Timmy, who's running nonstop, trying to get up and, you know, up and down the court nonstop. And they did that last night at least three or four times. So that was encouraging too. So, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I hope they lose now. We all hope they lose, you know, just tank, get the best pick you can get. But yep. uh, that's what I liked a lot last night. Was just He was pushing it, running with Timmy. Frank was running with him a lot. And that's all that I really care about. Definitely. They're losing right now too, by the way. Which is good. I mean, yep. Lose as I mean, we're recording right now. It's the end of the first quarter against the Sixers. Knicks are down by 10, 31, 21. Look, I, I understand that maybe we're not supposed to root for guys in our division, like fuck the Celtics, but the Sixers are fun. I like Simmons. I like yeah. Embiid. They, they've Fine. stung for a long time. You know, I sort of feel empathy for them there. We've both stunk. So if they're going to get out of the, the shithole first and they're going to play fun, you know, get into the playoffs a little bit and maybe upset somebody. I'm with it. So Listen, it doesn't matter. They can do whatever they want. Michael Beasley just played a hot 12 minutes for us. He played an seven, entire seven points though. Three of six. Yeah. On the field. Yeah. But like, this is where we're at right now. Oh, that's my timer. This is, where... <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're at right now. And this is where they're at. And it's clearly further ahead or they're at least have more potential. So fuck it. Let them try to do their thing, and we'll catch up maybe one day. I didn't quite uh, get to check all this out. I've been working the site all day, but uh, oh, uh, an old friend may be rejoining us in the garden. Pablo, Mister Prigioni, bro, I'm fucking so fucking with smalls, it. man. What's going on here? We just talked about this. I think Reed and I were going back and forth the other day. This was like three days ago in the chat, and then we mentioned I forgot who brought it up, but somebody mentioned like uh, needing a point guard coach or bringing someone else. Oh, we just mentioned uh. Them needing a veteran guard. That was the conversation. Uh, Ty brought up that he he'd like to see a veteran guard come in and just help Moutier and Frank not really play any minutes. And then I was like, oh, you, you know, maybe Jared Jack can do that. Like, I think Jared Jack wore out his welcome in the starting lineup, but I think Frank's developed well with him when he's getting the minutes. Yeah, they've got so a rapport I, and all that. Yeah. So I was like, I don't see any harm in Jared Jack. But anyway. So then I think Ty mentioned like, oh, man, I'd love to see uh, Pablo come back. And then me and Reed came out of nowhere. We're like, wow, that'd be sick. Like, I mean, the foreign connections there, I don't think they're going to speak the same language. But, you know, I think maybe some of that respect will be there for all three of those guys coming overseas and playing. And um, we just come from a similar place. You know, like that's kind of the important part. Right. So we just thought, you know, they're going to have similar experiences. They played the same position. I mean, maybe all that helps. And we just like Pablo as a whole. He was a fan favorite. Uh, once in it, always in it, always that what kind a of fucking shit. lightly, man. That guy's a legend. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, we love sneaky Pablo. I mean, we loved it. We just love Pablo. And so we were just talking about, man, if they could bring him back as an assistant or something, that'd be great. And then lo and behold, we see a report today. Uh, I think it was earlier today or yesterday came out that it's rumored that Pablo Prigioni may come back as an assistant for the Knicks. And man, that would just be so cool, man. That would be, no, that'd be great. I mean, and I think the best part about that is when he came, he was currently the oldest rookie that had ever come to play um, in the NBA after playing overseas. And Mm -hmm. um, I think he was in in New York, not a long period of time, a couple of years. And yeah, but I mean, it wasn't a long period of time, especially with the Knicks. I mean, to like make two and a half years or so. Yeah, I think that. I just think that he really must have made a good impression. I think so too. I mean, you saw how much fan love he got. Like, fuck, man, if if he came back and you just got like Novak doing the broadcast, like, I don't. There's not much more that can make me happier in like these really dark times. 
Yeah, it was from Mark Berman. So yeah, um, I mean, you know. even even if this whole thing is just like a publicity stunt, get a fan favorite back on the bench. Like I would, be, I would be so happy about that. Well, Pablo I guess was big, always welcome. I mean, I guess a big part of it was he was a veteran, despite him being a rookie. He was a veteran on that team that won fifty four and twenty eight in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. He's currently forty years old, but I guess. Uh, what Berman put in the report was that team president Steve Mills offered Pergioni a job last summer, but he turned it down so he could become a head coach in um, the Spanish league for Basconia. Yeah. So I guess in the last three weeks, oh, sorry, that lasted three weeks and Pergioni stepped down after a two and six record. Mm. Um, And Berman says here, according to a source, it was not just the basketball, but family issues that caused him to resign. But anyway, they had interest at, in the summertime to bring him on. I guess that interest still remains. So what do you think about this? Um, I mean, I, it all makes sense to me. You know, he didn't, you know, he was probably in a little over his head as a coach, or at least that seems to be the case, you know, based on him like stepping down so quickly. If it's something that he still really wants to pursue, this whole thing would make a lot of sense. It gives him a good opportunity to come back. I don't know how much of a pedigree the Knicks have with overseas, um, you know, teams or if, you know, whatever his plan may be from here. But, you know, it's 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 an interesting move. If Pablo wants to come back to New York, I'm sure New York would love to have him. And, yeah, I mean, like you said, it, like just the comfort would be there with, you know, Frank and by extension, Moutier. Um, you know, it, it, it's just he's the original Euro Nick. Long live the year. He, tr- he truly is. And I guess the other thing of note here in this article is that um, remember how last summer the Knicks fired then developmental coach uh, Josh Longstaff, and that was mm-hmm. Chris Stapp's go to guy? Yeah, I remember that. Well, Berman notes here that they never replaced him. So the vacancy has been open. So they just don't have that developmental coach. I mean, I'm sure they have other guys filling in or helping out as needed, but. That as long as the guy with the beard sticks role, around, then I'm fine. That guy is sensational. Yeah. <laughs> so did you did you watch his uh I think it was his halftime report, I think it was last week, and he just looked like a guy who had never been interviewed before. Yeah, I, I saw him on TV uh recently. I don't know if it was last week, but yeah, he he did not look entirely comfortable. Look like zero people skills. They're just like <laughs> uh, like like coach, how do you feel about what happened? You know, the first step he's like Like, have you seen my beard? Uh, like everything was like a, like a five sentence, like a five word sentence. Like every, like no matter what he said, it was just like quick, short thoughts, a lot of ums, a lot of stumblings, just like he, he it was strange. Too much eye contact into the camera. Yeah. It's all right. It you was, know what? It was good. That he and that beard have not been around it too long of a time. You give him time. Like he could become the fucking Dumbledore of the, uh, of the U.S. of the, uh, NBA. We'll say the USA. But, you know, give it time. Give it time. He might, uh, he might be the wizard we've all been waiting for. All right, I'm over this. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Uh, all right. What else, what else is going on? Uh, and this canter is so good lately. I mean, I would hope that's all we have. That's it. No, that's, that's, that's all we got there. He's just, he's kind of looked like he looked around Christmas time again. Um, we're, we're going to have him for another year at like $20 million. So stoked to see that. Right. Yeah, I'm, I guess you know. Like, what else? What else is there? I mean, th- this season is basically, in next season, it's just going to be guard development. Hopefully, Tim Hardaway Jr. becomes a legit too. I think he's mostly done that this year, despite his little uh, stumble of late. But outside of that, it's just Ennis Cantor getting buckets. I mean, defense doesn't even fucking matter anymore, so we can't even be critical there. Just play, you know, just get your buckets. I hope he averages 20-20 the next two years. I mean, just yeah, make no, it fun. Great. There's nobody else. This team is decimated. Just eat. Do what you got to do. Has, uh, has Billy played a game for Charlotte yet? I watched that game yesterday, and he did not play. He did not play. They played the Raptors yesterday. He did not play. I want to I see what it looks like in that teal. It, bro, it just looks strange. He He looked good in the orange and blue. Like, a lot of guys... I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe all guys don't fit in. Like Michael Beasley wearing orange and blue, it still looks weird to me. Billy just looked like. Yeah, I'm only seeing photoshops. Yeah, he yeah. really did not get off the bench. No, he did not. Bummer, man. Well, 
at least we don't have to worry about like Ennis Cantor eating up Billy's minutes anymore. Like it's just a free for all now. Embrace the chaos. Let's do it. I suppose. Kyle I mean, Quinn's there's nothing else. Good minutes. Joakim Noah's not even here anymore. Seeing like Dotson and closing lineups. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to talk about very briefly. We have plenty. Uh, we have been recording for 37 minutes. We have all the time you want. Yeah, no, but one thing that I wanted to talk about was JB had a tweet before, and I'm going to quickly find it because he did not tweet much today. Our man is uh, traveling. He had a tweet Still in about, the uh, Mile High City, right? Yeah, yeah, in Denver. I sent him on a trip to go break Nikola Jokic kneecaps. But um, okay, here it is. So he said. Moutier's shot profile, pretty similar to what it looked like in Denver, although it was good to see him scoring off cuts without the ball. That's the thing I want to know. He said something he hasn't done much before. So off of the uh, pick and roll, he was two of six shooting. Transition, he was one of two. Spot up, 0 and two. Cutting, he was two for two, both off Kyle O'Quinn passes. Isolation and handoffs, both 0 for 1. The cutting is what I was interested in because... Another thing that Kyle Quinn's been really good at this year, and a lot of it's had, you know, a lot of him being good with it depended on Doug McDermott being able to cut right. back door a lot. And in years past, you know that I've been very critical of his passing ability because a lot of times there was the talent around him to make the passes. And he was throwing or forcing passes to teammates who just were not prepared or not willing to catch those passes. So, we saw him turn into a really, not just capable, but a really good passer for not just the big man, but in general. He was throwing some really crafty ones, well-timed. Um, just He just became a good passer this year as a whole. And I guess now you have all these guards, basically similar to what's going on in Denver. You have a lot of guards. Some can play on ball. Some can play off ball. I understand Moody just came from that system also, so maybe putting him back into a similar system isn't ideal if you're trying him out, but I'd like to but see... But with different pieces, breeds different results, you know. Which is true, I, but Kylo Quinn, I, I think, if you're going to give him bigger minutes by default, you know, of, of KP not being around anymore, maybe just try to run some of the offense through him. Have him initiate the same sort of way I agree that, with that in Denver, because, you know, he can shoot. He has range all the way. I mean, three-point range is not really there for him consistently but he can shoot all the way out you know very long too that's in his bag and yeah he can just only gotten just pass a lot he's only gotten better with that and yeah his passing is definitely something that's come along a lot this season i think uh koq just has a really good uh like on court iq he can he knows where to be on the court it's kind of one of the reasons i don't know if i really totally recognized it at the time but Earlier in the year, when it first kind of started coming up that we were going to talk about Kylo Quinn's trade value and look to move him, you know, I was pretty opposed to it because I thought that he and Neil Aquino looked good on the court together. And then kind of like, you know, it went away for a little bit and I kind of just let that be an anomaly. But, you know, the more we kind of see what, how Kylo Quinn's progressed as a passer this season and just kind of how he just knows where to be on the court, I don't think that was too uh, far off of an assumption back then. I think he's been really good for just being in the right spots when when Franks need him to and the other players on the court. And that's why I think that's just kind of why he became one of our most valuable pieces. Yeah. Again, I mean, that's why we thought, you know, he was going to get traded. But now that he's here, I think he could probably help a lot of the development with these guys, you know, help them add to their games, not just, you know, traditional guard stuff, you know, point guard stuff, being on ball or running the pick and roll. But that's one thing I can't speak to everybody, but you know, I played, I played a lot of basketball in my day and I used to like just be a scorer, just a pick and roll guard. And when I really started adding to my game was when I, and things open up for me is when I started going off ball. And mm-hmm. one thing that I, I like loved, I learned to really love it was just beating guys off cuts and just like, you know, faking you out one way, coming back door. And it was just like and the easiest layup that you could ever hope for and helping guys learn that timing is really important. And I had a couple teammates sort of like O'Quinn, who big guys would keep the ball, you know, high post, you know, you fake a screen with another teammate on the wing and you just cut back door. And it, I don't know, it just felt like it was always there. If you timed it 
right. And with the right teammates, you can do that. And I feel like O'Quinn's a guy you can do that with. And that's a really important skill for guards to have. So you can be effective when you're having, you know, a poor shooting night or if you're having a turnover prone night or it just helps sort of ease the burden up and it sort of opens, opens your game up because guys are going to be scared of what you can do off the ball as well as on the ball. And it just makes things easier for you as a whole. So I'd yeah. like to see that. I want to kind of take a look just because I have it up in front of me right now. I'm looking at the rest of the season. We've kind of broken down the schedule a couple of times now on the podcast. Um, they have one more game before the all-star break where we're going to be sending now lone representative Frank Nielakina to the rising stars game. That hurt. Um, and then a, eh, a kind of difficult end of the season or end of the month. You got Orlando, Boston, Golden State. And then they kind of begin a little bit of a of a road trip after that, then a homestand, and then it's just kind of a mix. It's not. It's all of a sudden the schedule looks much, much, much less winnable. Even the 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 formerly must win games are now questionable at best. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but just how how winnable do you think some of these games are coming up? Like. How uh, let's take a game versus like Washington on Wednesday versus Orlando when they return from the all-star break. Like at this point in the season with this crew that we have here, what, what difficulty can we be expecting from these kind of guys? I think it's just going to be hard for a lot of these guys to just get up and play, you know, not having Chris steps there. I don't know that the competition matters so much as it does having to go out and compete when, you know that there's kind of no hope for the rest of the year. I'm not trying to like to get, I'm not trying to get grim either, but it, that's, I think when something like this happens, I think that's why the schedule gets more difficult than maybe it really is. So see, I don't know that. I don't know. I just, I just can't see. Yeah. Like you said, everything gets more difficult. See, I, I agree with you where you're saying, you know, everything does get more difficult, but I don't know so far just looking at the team and like, you know, we've been talking while they're playing right now and they've almost caught up to the Sixers. It's 46, 45 right now. Um, I don't know if this team is really having trouble getting up, at least at the beginning, you know, this injury maybe hasn't quite set in with everyone yet, but you know, we're still seeing guys like Courtney Lee play well. He's, he's got, you know, 11 points already tonight. We're still seeing, you know, the Moutier and, and Frank connections start coming up. Um, you know, and and we're seeing some of the other guys get their opportunities through this. And, and you know, it's yet to be seen who's going to thrive and who's not. But I don't know if this team has so much of a problem getting up yet. Give it 10, 15, 20 games. And we'll see, see where we'll see where we are. But right at least at the beginning, at least right after this, this injury has occurred, like you got to give them credit for holding their head up high. For now, I mean, that, that's kind of my point is like it's sooner rather than later. I think it's going to start wearing on guys. I mean, it, just at the beginning of March. So basically right after they come back from the break, they have a couple of games. Uh, I think three, three or four at home after this Philly game through the next four at home anyway. And then after that, first of all, to finish, to finish February, they have Boston and golden state at home back to back the 24th and the 26th, right after playing golden state in Boston, they go on a West coast trip. To play the Clippers, the Kings. Not that the Kings are good, but it's just a West Coast trip that the Knicks never fare well on. And then they play the Blazers, and then they go to Milwaukee, and then they come home for a five-game homestand against not great teams outside of Toronto. You know, Philly's pretty good as well, but the, you know, there's Dallas, Charlotte, the I Bulls. Just, I just so, never want to play against Milwaukee ever again. I never want to play against the Bulls ever again. I feel like we've paid them. Way too many times. This yeah, year, but... that's fucking true. I feel like two games ago, I thought we should have been done with the Bulls kind of season schedule, but I'm just afraid of playing Milwaukee, not really because of their talent or their players. Just Right, I, of, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we, we don't have to talk about it. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't know. I mean, just seeing that road trip, I, I don't know, man. It just, the rest of the March schedule isn't even that bad. It's a, It's really a bunch of like 500-ish or worse teams for the most part, 
not very good teams. But it's just this isn't a good team anymore. They're an experimenting young team. They yep. just can't March, expect a lot. A couple of games through April. Hopefully we kind of see some signs of progress from a couple of guys. Hopefully, you know, we have an idea of who might be coming with us into next season, or at least who's gonna have some meaning next season. And you know, and then they're done. And then we hop back on this crazy train next season. Yeah. We'll be the conductors. Um I guess yeah, that, yeah. I, I think that's it. I think that's true. That's uh, that's been the weekend. I, I guess. I guess my last question to you is: Do yeah. you, where do you see them? I, I know we talked about this in the group chat, but uh, yeah. just to have it on record for the pod, where do you see them finishing record-wise? Ooh, for the I draft? haven't even checked our record in a Be, little bit. Let well, me they're twenty. They're twenty-three and thirty-four. I think they have the. It's the eighth worst record in the league, or okay. close. So I guess to someone tweeted that they basically have to go like three and 23 over their last, um, their last, whatever amount of games, you know, 26 games to crack the top five. Um, I'll, they're also only like, I don't know who ran those numbers because unless they did it off just projections because they're only like a couple games out yeah. from having the fifth worst record in the league. So anything My- can still happen. But where do you see them falling? I'm hopeful for, I'm hopeful that we end up with the fifth pick. And, you know, obviously the lottery is the lottery and things get, you know, mixed up and whatever. My countless amount of games like playing basketball GM tells me how fickle the lottery can be sometimes. But, like, you know, I, I think we could, I'm hoping for, like, the five to seven range in the lottery. I don't know. We'll probably end up being, like, the seventh worst team in the league, maybe sixth worst worst team in the league finished with that record but yeah i think five to seven is realistic realistically hopeful we can end up with the ninth fucking pick and it would just be devastating i'm sure i wanted to correct myself i just went to tankathon so right now they have the ninth worst record at 23 and 34 okay the the next team after that is the bulls at 19 and 36 but then all of those teams are pretty much like right on top of each other yeah, because we were just outside the shit column, like even while we were doing all right this season. Because Sacramento, Sacramento has 17 wins, and they're the worst. Then Phoenix, all the way through Orlando at six, have 18 wins, and they just vary in the losses. So Phoenix, Dallas, and Atlanta are 18 and 39. Memphis and Orlando are 18 and 37. Then Brooklyn, by you know, well Cleveland by way of the Brooklyn pick, and Chicago are there with 19 wins. And Honestly, like, as you're just kind of listing off of all, all these team names right now, just like the thing that's popping into my head is like, judging based on the fact that the Knicks couldn't hold a lead through a third or fourth quarter anyway at any point in the season, and the fact that this is only making them worse, like, this team could realistically win like four or five more games this season, and I wouldn't be too surprised. Like, we could catch up for like the, the worst or the second worst yeah, record in the league if, if some of these other teams surge. Yeah, I, we could end like, up with the third worst record in the league. Like I wouldn't I, even be that surprised. I, I guess my thing is I don't really count on any of the Western Conference teams doing anything to really help us out. So Sacramento, Phoenix, Dallas, Memphis, I think are just probably locks just because how tough the West is to finish in the top five or six no matter what. But a team like Brooklyn, a team like Orlando a, a team like Chicago, who's about to get Chris Dunn back, I feel like those teams would, if you're going to bank on any team, kind of helping us out, I feel like those teams might start winning a little bit. Brooklyn just got D'Angelo Russell back, I think, 10 games or so ago. and the last three or four, he's really been playing well and kind of rounding back into shape. So Brooklyn has that going for them. Chicago has Chris Dunn coming back to go with Laurie and You know, it's a scrappy bunch of shitty teams. I think Orlando is probably the only hopeless team there, but we could really, I would just feel good if we moved from ninth up to like six or seven. If we can get there after where we started the season and what has sort of happened here, if we could end up with like a sixth or seventh pick or thereabouts, I'd feel pretty good about it. It's just, I don't want to finish like 10. Yeah, no, I I feel you. Like that, it's very realistic that we could end up, you know, with like, I don't know, 
we could end up pulling off a stretch at any point in the season and end up, you know, at the 10th spot. Just to give our listeners some sort of a understanding here via Tankathon. So right now they're in the ninth spot for the worst record. They have a 6.1% chance at a top three pick and a 1.7% chance at the number one overall pick. If they can get into like the sixth spot, they have a 25% chance at a top three pick and a 7.5% chance at a number one. Whereas if they finish seventh, it's 14.9% for top three and 4.3 for the number one pick. So six is really where the money is for me. That just gives you the best chance as a whole. Yeah. Like for, for where I see this team realistically finishing, I don't think they're going to get to five, but if you can get to six, that would be like, I don't want to get us. Th- I don't want to get too caught up on like, you know, top five sounds better, but this is a really deep class. So if you can get top six and a deep class with those kind of odds at the top three or the top pick, I would feel really good about that. No matter where we finish. No, I'm with you, buddy. I, I think we're, we're right on the same page here. So, so we'll, we'll to wait and see. And I'm just going to send the lottery real quick. And the Knicks got ninth, so we're hopeless. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. Alrighty. Well, I'm with you through it. Um, just for a couple of plugs, make mm-hmm. sure you guys listen to the Off the Wall podcast. With yep, new episode Jared yesterday. Mintz. Jared Mintz, Joe Nardone. Uh, Joe was the handsome gentleman who joined us on the last podcast. So Yeah, thank God for uh, him. We needed him that yep. night. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, that was a good pod. Um, that was a good pod. But, yeah, they broke down, I think, today. I was listening to it on the way home. They were breaking down some of the trade um, situations. I, I was listening as I got to the Boudier for the next part. But they're talking um, the Cavs, you know, blowing it up and the rest of the NBA landscape there. So make sure you guys, you know, listen, subscribe uh, to that. Make sure you obviously keep up with everything we have at the Knicks wall right now. Yep, um, a bevy of articles came out yeah, uh, I, today, I believe. We got yeah, a I mean, lot of Moutier up there. there. There's a lot of Moutier, um, Frank and Moutier. There, there's a lot that basically can be done here. Um, just a lot going through our minds right now about what this means in the wake of Chris Apps being injured and how this presents an opportunity for the guards. So yep. a lot of our writers, uh, Reed Goldsmith, our managing editor, has a nice piece out on them today as well. So make sure you guys go and give those a read. And uh, just let us know if you agree, disagree. We're always ready to engage in a good debate. Listen, um, it, even if you're, for some reason, listening to this and not even a Knicks fan, like you got to understand that tragedy is always entertaining. And if you want to see like tragedy at its finest, it's just... just Check out some of the reactions we've had to this uh, this Chris Ops Porzingis injury. But in every tragedy comes hope, and that's where the next wall is at right now. We're, we're staying hopeful. There's plenty to discuss still. There's plenty to work out, plenty to try out, and, you know, we're here with you. Yep. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, we don't have a ton for new merchandise, but... Um, there's you some know, we stuff got, in the works. We're good. We got things coming. We we have a couple things planned. We don't want to spoil it, but in terms of what we've recently released, but we have that the future shirt, which despite KP's injury, we have not given up hope on. So uh, make sure you go get that or any of our other pretty classic. Can we designs. talk about the? Can we talk about the uh, occurrence that happened with that one shirt? Oh, do you want to? I mean, are you cool with it? I. I'm okay with that. Yeah, we, well, we, we did what we had to do. Kind of the shirt that that put us on the map, and that uh, I know Bailey is super proud of is the Jr. Henny shirt. Um, that that was a big one for, you know, that that was just a big one for that time period. That was, you know, thanks for everyone for getting that, supporting it. And I know that there have been a lot of people who have been um, kind of asking about it lately. It has been unfortunately removed. We're working to get it back up there just as quickly as possible. So we've had people us. reach out to us about trying to get it, and 
we do apologize. It's an inconvenience that we're trying to fight back on. So I feel good about it coming back in the near future, but you know, there's yeah. not much else we'll, I can, we'll let you guys know as soon as we know anything, but yeah, it, it sucks, but we, we are, uh, we're working we'll, to get there. Yeah. We'll, we'll be back. Yeah. Um, and the last thing is, um, on that merchandise note, we've got a lot of good things out there and mm-hmm. you guys have supported us the whole way with that. And I'd like to, start to give back a little bit. So middle of this week, um, probably maybe tomorrow, but most likely Wednesday, possibly Thursday. Um, we're going to do a little merchandise giveaway. And all that we ask from you guys is it's totally free. If you haven't already done it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate us five stars and write us a review. You just send me a screenshot of you doing that. You can send it to my account. You can send it to the Knicks Wall account on send Twitter. My account. You can send, send it to, to any anyone, a- a- anybody, anybody from the Knicks Wall. You may not follow all of us, whoever you follow, including the actual Knicks Wall account. Send us that screenshot. I have a shirt, possibly two, laying around. Um, I'll let you guys know which ones. Tyler, take... has this shirt been worn by you? No, but when you get it and it appears washed, it's because it is. Because when you get them from the factory. The shirts smell like vinegar, and I could not, in good faith, give a shirt away that smells like vinegar because I would feel like I would feel like you guys would not trust me and blame me for the shirt smelling like vinegar. No I bought my uh, I bought my folks a couple of uh, Nick's Wall shirts for Christmas, and I had to, I had to go ahead and wash them first before I gave them to them. It's all right. Yeah. So they do, you give them one wash, and we can assure you they don't smell like vinegar anymore. They only smell yeah. like they smell like the Nick's. And that yeah. smell is unique to everybody. So take that for what you will. Yeah. So we got that coming up. So make sure you send us the screenshots and yep. just stay tuned. I um, want to see that check mark or, or like you don't have to be an iTunes user either. Like, however you, I know I'm not, I have an Android phone and I use a different, I use a different podcast app. So whatever it is, listen, know? if you, if you don't have iTunes, make sure you steal someone's iPhone, you subscribe, you take a screenshot of your review, you send that to yourself. Send us that screen. This is also official strategy. We're fine with this. Go to the mall. Go to the Apple store. Leave a bunch of reviews. The more you get, like the better your odds are. Every screenshot counts as an entry. I didn't even think that, but I think that's a better way to go about this. That's exactly how we're doing it. Yeah, if you want to stack your odds, go ahead and do that. But I have a couple of shirts I'll be giving away. I'll let you guys know um, what those shirts are when the time comes. But... Um, just stay tuned. Uh, we want to start rewarding tuned. you guys. It, it's been a good year for us. You guys helping us out along the way, supporting us. So we want to give back a little bit with however we can. And that's how we can do that right now. All right. We got to get offline before we officially hit an hour here uh, because we did not have an hour's worth of stuff to talk about. We didn't. Um, Kyle, have a good night. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Take care. Take care.